All right. What a way to start, right? Uh, hey, uh, I, I want you to think of something with me. How, how do you plan to approach Jesus? I, unless, man, I, you're checking this faith out, and, and if you're familiar with Scripture and Jesus is yours, uh, there is maybe some thinking of future of when Jesus returns, or maybe it's that day that you approach Jesus. I've, I've heard some people talk, you know, uh, some who just say, man, I just want to run up and, and embrace him. And, 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 man, when it comes to the Gospels, that seems like that I, I'm all in for that how approachable Jesus is, right? When, when he, he, he's the one who approaches the, the, those who are sick or he approaches those who are hurt and, and, and there's no qualm about Jesus. Man, he, he seems, when you're reading through the gospel, that, that so real and, 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 and so approachable that, that an embrace or, or to be close to him, no, no problem. And, and he, he, matter of fact, the way he, he spoke, the way he loved he would, he would draw people, right? But in this book of Revelation, where we've been going under this examination in, in chapters 2 or 3 of Revelation, matter of fact, we're in Revelation 2, 18 through 23. If you want to go ahead and prepare, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to bring those. If you do, go ahead and open it and have it, have it always before you. I mean, we use this, but uh, man, we encourage you to also bring your scriptures. Uh, the, the idea of approaching Jesus... Maybe even expressed in a song. Are, are you familiar with, I can only imagine. Beautiful song. I can only imagine. Uh, it, when it comes to the chorus of that, I believe it's the chorus. He says, surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? You know, it, that's a great question. Will I dance for you, Jesus? There's an idea. Or, or in awe of you, be still. Uh, will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? You know, I mean, all those ideas are laid out. And, and that idea of being there in the very presence of our Savior. And, and of course, that, that line is, I could only imagine. So our imaginations, and I ask you that question, how are you going to respond? I mean, what's your thought in that? And then we go to Revelation here. And in a couple places, chapter 1 and also in chapter 19, it lays out this description of Jesus. Now, this is not Jesus as we see him in the gospel. This is the risen Lord, okay? And, and the description is, is, is rather amazing. Even to go back in, in verses like verse 14, he says, of, of chapter 1, verse 14, chapter 1, he says, his hair on his head was white like wool. That's what happens when you get wool really old, right? And really wise. I'm not there yet. It's growing. Uh, the hair on his head was white like wool and, and white as snow. And his eyes were like blazing fire. This, this is the description we're going to hear today in the letter to Thyatira. His eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. And coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. We heard that about Pergamum at the beginning of the letter to Pergamum. And it says his face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. And so this idea of running up and giving him a hug is a little 
little difference when you see him. I mean, what, what does all that represent? I, I, I do believe that represents the risen Lord in all of his righteousness and absolute holiness. We've never beheld that. I don't believe my eyes have ever beheld absolute holiness. My mind has thought about it through the descriptions in the word but, but to, to be before absolute holiness, that's, that's the you know, face shining like the sun. And, and, and the white, you know, represents that, that righteousness. But then it's those fiery eyes and, and the feet burnished by bronze, you know, like glowing red feet. The, the strongest metal during that time was bronze. So the stance is firm and those eyes that penetrate into you. In verse 17, I believe this gives me an idea of, of how I should act. This is John's response. It says, I fell at his feet though I was dead. That makes sense. But before this, this image with Jesus and all his splendor, I fell at his feet as though I was dead. In, in humility, humble, those penetrating eyes, where do they go? And what do they know? Oh my goodness. Those eyes are upon this book of this, this, this church in Thyatira. Let's, first of all, let me give you just a few ideas of Thyatira, the city of Thyatira. It was, uh, we went to Pergamum. Actually, it's almost a loop that, that the letters are addressed to each of the churches. We went to Ephesus. It's a, it's a port city, so it's along uh, the sea there. Uh, and then Sardis, about 20 miles above it. And then Pergamum is just a few miles above that, but it's inward, inland. And then, then we go over here to Thyatira. It, it's like a, a 20 miles east, southeast of, of Pergamum. And so we're, we're making a, a loop around. Uh, Thyatira was a, a in, in its earlier days, before the biblical times, it was a military post. It was a center for communication for Rome, an important place where passes messages on uh, military posts. We kind of, uh, you know, relate to that where we are, right? Uh, but, but the real relational part is the size of the city was about what we would see Junction City. Not connected with Fort Riley, but the city of Junction City is about the size of Thyatira. Not as big as some of the other cities we've already gone through. What was real significant about Thyatira, which is important to what, what, what John is writing or what Jesus is speaking to Thyatira, is the fact that it was a, a city of merchants, it was a city of commerce. Uh, it was the largest trade guild in the Roman uh, in the Roman province of Asia. It, it's it, it just lots lots of things. Let me give you an idea. Uh, it, fabrics. It, it was it was a place where fabrics were made. Is where where wool workers were, linen workers, makers of outer garments, and and dyers. You know, they, they brought color to a lot of the fabrics that were there. And, and especially that, that connects us with Acts 16, where a lady named Lydia, Paul meets a lady in, uh, named Lydia in, in Philippi. And she becomes a convert to Jesus, baptized into Christ. And she is, is described as a seller in purple. And, and this dye was from a root in that area of Thyatira. So it was cheap and and so that's probably where Lydia had made a lot of her income, and, and she was spreading it to other places. 
uh, leather workers, tanners, potters, bakers, slave uh, dealers, and bronze smiths. Uh, that's, that's the identity of Thyatira. It's a thriving city around the idea of merchandising. Uh, and, and today we have the opportunity, as Jesus has his eyes set upon the church in Thyatira, as, as we've been going, each time we're saying, okay, how is Jesus seeing us? That's the important part. How do we apply this? How do we, how do we look ourselves? So as, if you haven't been with us, that's what we've been doing. And we're going to do the same thing with Thyatira. I think there's some real key things that we need to hear uh, here this morning in what Jesus says to Thyatira as he looks over them and, and, and lays out his judgment. So let's read verses 18 through 23 in Revelation chapter 2. To the angel of the church in Thyatira write... These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel. Who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching she misleads my servants into sexual immorality. And the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality. But she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering. And I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely, unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds. And I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Oh, again, you know, those fiery eyes, those penetrating eyes into the church in Thyatira, I, I believe his eyes are on us as well. I know his eyes are on us as well. And, and, and just this truth, I want to talk specifically about this, that Jesus knows everything about me. Jesus knows everything about each one of us. That, that's Jesus. Those penetrating eyes, he knows us intimately, every part, that's who Jesus is. And, and so I want to go through that. What is it that Jesus sees in me? What is it Jesus... Everybody say that with me. Jesus knows everything about me. Again, Jesus knows everything about me. So what does he know about me? Everything, yeah. He sees the quality of my deeds. We'll start there. He sees the quality of my deeds. Verse 19. He lays it out about Thyatira. Look what he says. He says, I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance. Oh, man, he knows what's going on, and, and, and he can identify. Well, he identifies, first of all, that love. That love in Ephesus, that, that Ephesus actually lost. That was, that was a problem in Ephesus. Man, you're doing so many things well, but you lost your first love. Repent and return to it. But he sees that, that the, the, the church in Thyatira, you are loving. And they're also involved in faith. The, the one message that's going out 
uh, throughout the book of Revelation is this, be faithful. And they're doing that well. They're being faithful. And also they're, they're actively involved because, hey, hey, they're involved in service. And when it comes to the difficulties, guess what? They're persevering. Oh, this, this would be a good response that we'd hear from Jesus. That's what I would love to hear here, right? I would hear, hey, love, faith, uh, man, you're involved in serving and you're persevering. Woohoo, right? That would be excellent. I would love to hear that report. And even upon that, that is really good, is the second part of that verse 19 where he says, that I, I, makes it known, hey, there's evidence that you're growing. How does, he, how does he say that? He says that by saying you're doing more than you did before. He sees, he sees the things of love and, and faith and, and, and service. He sees those things increasing. And, and the encouragement back in Ephesus is, man, it, it's not just you've reached some place, but it's that idea that we as a people, God's people, are growing. It, it, growing into that fruit of the Spirit that's laid out. You know, turning away from the things of the world as, as, as we know we needed from Pergamum. But, uh, but now we're, we're growing more and more in that very character, uh, characteristics of God through this Holy Spirit. So it's going in the right direction for Thyatira. And, and matter of fact, I, I, let me just plug here. So that's, that's who we want to be. You know, to identify, again, this is the statement that, that we are pursuing as a church. We are fostering the family of God. Growing, right? It's our desire to foster, to grow in each of these areas. Those of you here and those of us, of you watching on, on, uh, through, through the internet uh, today, uh, man, we want you to be growing. Each of us need to ask, you know, have we been growing in, in the past little while? Man, we've gone through some difficulties. Did I grow through it? Were we challenged? And we might have been challenged through it, but did we grow through those challenges? Man, is love increasing? How, how did my faithfulness come through that? Have I been faithful to my God through the difficulties? This is a great time to be asking. So examine yourselves as Jesus has his eyes upon us. So the first, first uh, thing that Jesus sees is that, man, there's, there's some good things happening in Thyatira, but also Jesus who, who sees me, he sees the wickedness that I tolerate, number two. He sees the wickedness that I tolerate. Verse 20, here's what he says. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel. Now, Jezebel is someone within the church. It's believed that it wasn't necessarily, I mean, it could have been someone actually named Jezebel within the church. But, but just like last uh, last letter sent to Pergamum, that, that there was a reference to Balaam and the, the, the wicked teaching. Look back into the Old Testament. Again, there's this looking back into the Old Testament, this woman, Jezebel. And if you remember, Jezebel was that, that foreign woman who was made queen by Ahab king, brought, him in, brought her into his house, and she was wicked. She brought the worship of Baal to Israel. Tearing down the altars that were to God and building up altars on behalf of Baal. Uh, a non-God, but man, a wicked worship to a God that was not a God at all. And, and so this Jezebel came into the church. What do we know about her? Well, she called herself a prophet. 
She claimed herself to be a prophet, and, and she brought into the church the same things that Jezebel did in the Old Testament. Sexual immorality and idolatry. The eating, the eating of meat sacrificed to idols. That's what she was doing. She was bringing it within the church. And here's the question that, that especially I, I ask myself is, why was the church tolerant of her? How, how is it the church could tolerate someone who would, who would come in, claim themselves to be a prophet, and then begin teaching or bringing in sexual idolatry or sexual immorality and idolatry? How is that possible? I see how it's possible. You know, a matter of fact, it was just a few years back that, no, maybe it's not that long ago, that, that and, and maybe it's not just one instance, but several instances where we might have someone come in the door and they'll come in and they'll be seated and I'll have someone come up to me and say, hey, hey, do you know who that is? Have, have, have you heard that? Do you know who that is? Uh, the person that we had most recently was, you know, the commander on post at the time. He and his wife came and visited. Do you know who that is? I, I got to tell you a story. Some years ago, even before, while, while a guy named Daryl was, was preaching here, and I was just, you know, that, that, that youth and family minister, you know, just wet behind the ears like Matthew is right now. Uh, uh, but but uh, I was walking down the hallway, had my slacks on, had a shirt on, had a tie on because I was preaching that Sunday. And uh, I had a guy come to me in the hallway, and he said, hey, Where's your suit coat? I said, I left it at home. Why? He said, we have a, a retired colonel and his wife visiting today. And I thought, oh. Well, and I knew who it was. They had, so I, Linda, Linda and I built a relationship with him. Linda worked with her. And, and so they wanted to come hear me preach. They were here because I was going to preach. And so, oh, I know who it is. And so, but but what, if, what if they came up and said, hey, do you know who's here today? And and. Oh, it's, it's this, this someone who's influential in the community. Uh, we, we need you to back off, you know, a little bit in your sermon. What are you preaching today? Hey, why don't you just preach on love, okay? Just how God loves you and, and you know, why don't you preach that? Yeah, don't, don't get into some of the sinfulness. Let's, 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 you know, hey, the worst thing we could do is, is offend Jezebel, Okay? Don't offend Jezebel. Could you see that happening? Is that possible? Man, we'll back off because, you know, hey, there. Matter of fact, I, this is the belief that Jezebel had, was not just influential. She's being influenced in the church, but actually she was influential in the community. In that area of merchandising and selling and, and, and creating, you know, she was, she was pretty prominent there. And in, and in those guilds, those, those merchandising guilds, it was pretty well known that they had their gods that they worshipped and they were significant. And man, if you want to, have you ever thought about this? If you want to be right in your business, you're going to get in line. Because that's that's the successful people. If I'm gonna if I want to sell my things and 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 be doing that, I'm gonna I'm gonna get in line and 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 participate in maybe some of the even the the rituals and sacrifices to other gods. And so the thought is that Jezebel was bringing that into the church, but it's Jezebel. Let's not offend her. I don't know. We got to be careful. Hey, there is nothing more important than truth. Needs nothing more important than the, tr the truth. And when someone influential comes in, guess who's most important? It, it, it's not the individual who comes in. Man, well, welcome them. Man, you're welcome, but 
we expect that you're here because you're going to align yourself with the truth like we do. That ought to be our heart. And for the protection of the church. Here's why. Because there was consequences they were, that, that, that were coming down. Verse 22. Listen again what it says. In, in verse 22, it says, So I will cast her, that Jezebel, on a bed of suffering. And I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. Oh yeah, would she die someday that she's going to face judgment and then she's going to die that spiritual death. No. I, do we understand that sinfulness in this world, I, I believe, is the reason for cancer? I believe it's the reason for diseases. I believe it's the reason that we get sick. As a matter of fact, when sinfulness came in the world, we have that condemnation of, and that curse of death upon us. And I, I do believe there's consequences when we delve into areas of sinfulness. And, I, 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 and that's what's taking place here with Jezebel. They said there's, there's a matter of fact, there is even this wonderful, gracious place where she even had the opportunity to do some repenting and she chose not to and she was struck down. And could you imagine a disease and sexual immorality, what diseases might have been spread around? But also the children, unless they repent, also give an opportunity to do some repenting, even in the midst of the consequences. And, and, and uh, uh, they did not. They had that choice, the opportunity. Listen, we must speak the truth. We must be, speak the truth, even in the midst of consequences. Man, there's that opportunity for repentance. That's, and that's the response when you face Jesus who has those eyes that penetrate and look and see within us. Thirdly, and finally, what Jesus' fiery eyes sees in me, he has seen or he sees the hidden things in my life. The hidden things in my life. Verse 23. Um, let me go to that again. He says, I will strike her children dead. He says, then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds. Listen carefully. He searches hearts and minds. Those that man, that's that image of his eyes upon me. What part can I conceal from him? Nothing. Nothing is hidden from him. I think we get a clear picture of that in, in Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus says, hey, you know that it's been written that if you commit murder, there's judgment going to be brought against you. But he also said, if you have hatred, Withheld in your heart. If you have that hatred abiding in your heart, there will also be judgment. What? I didn't do anything. But there's hatred within your heart. And, and when you look upon a woman lustfully, you know, the, another law is, man, don't commit adultery. But if you look upon a woman and you lust after her in your heart, guess what? There's judgment upon you because of, yeah, adultery. But I didn't do anything. I didn't touch her. And Jesus says, man, I know every part, every, every motivation. I know what you're thinking. I know where you go. And it's all revealed before him. It's open and wide for him to see. That's his eyes upon you and I. He knows what we're watching. 
He knows what's on your computer and why you have to empty your history. He knows that. He knows what you see on TikTok. He knows what you see in the darkness. He knows what you run to. That's, that's why I say I go back to that image of seeing John because that's me too. I can't see anything else but laying prostrate before Jesus. And the imagery that's laid out in that passage, I, man, I just see Jesus and all the splendor and righteousness and holiness. How could I do anything else but lay dead at his feet? How could I do anything else? Because he's judged. I think that image of his judgment, he's going to be the rightful judge over us. And, and it says, he will repay according to your deeds. And I deserve it. That's why. What else can I do except find myself dead at his feet? How can I do anything else? I can't sing. I can't stand. I can't dance in front of his, his presence. I can't. I know the hidden places in my life. I am absolute. I'm absolutely ashamed of them. Absolutely ashamed of them. Where can I be except at the feet of Jesus? Except at the feet of Jesus. I deserve his judgment. I deserve his punishment. You see, he sees everything about us. Oh yeah, he sees the good. He sees the service. He sees... He sees where we persevere and we're faithful and we have that love. He sees that. But he sees the wickedness that we tolerate. Not just here as a church. He sees it in your home. He sees the toleration of evil and wickedness in your life. He sees, because that, that very in-depth, he sees your heart and your mind. I tell you where I find comfort. I tell you where I find uh, just this wonderful Man, encouragement and that sense of celebration is, is if you go back to that verse seven, 17 where John says, man, I'm laid out. This is, it is absolutely a reaction of Jesus. It says he takes me by his right hand. I want you to imagine, I want you to see that. Jesus says he takes me by his right hand and he says, don't be afraid. It's, it's always Jesus who has the first move. Do you see that? It's always Jesus who makes the first move. I, I love because he first loved me. He sent Jesus. He went to the cross, and I never deserved any part of it. And when I lay before him, man, I, I know that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to hit my face when I see in the presence of, of absolute truth and holiness. All I could see is I'm going to hit the floor. And it's going to be his reaction for you as well. Man, can you see it? With his right hand, he's going to reach and he's going to take you. And he's saying, don't be afraid. I think after that, that, that confirmation, that realization that his blood has covered me and that that righteousness that's his is mine. Woo! What a day of celebration. I can't wait till that first day. I think it's going to be difficult at first. I mean, laying in front of Jesus dead is not, not the place I'm looking forward to, but it is the reality that needs to take place when I stand before such holiness and such truth. And then I'm anticipating his touch, 
his words of don't be afraid. And then I'm ready to embrace him. Are you with me? Are you with me? Isn't that amazing? So, so to Thyatira, I don't want to conclude this here, but, but I want to read 24 and 25, and then we're going to wrap it up this way. It says, it says, verse 24 says, Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets. Let me give you just an idea. There's, there was that idea, that thought in the time that, that man, uh, Gnosticism was, man, I'm going to know everything. Well, there's the idea even, even amongst those who were in the church that, well, I'm going to delve into the deep things of sinfulness so that I know because I'm saved. I'm saved. Boy, that's wrong thinking. God has, has revealed his deep secrets, his mystery, which is Jesus and his death upon the cross. He's revealed it to us. There is no other life to live except for him, Right? And, and so for those who are holding true and not, not succumbing to that, that treachery, that wickedness, tolerating that wickedness, he says, I will not impose any other burden on you. Isn't that great? I'm not going to impose anything else on you except this. Hold to what you have until I come. The message is said over and over again. Be faithful. Wake up in the morning, say, it's another day, God, it's yours Whatever I have to face, it's going to be for you. It's for you. It's for you. It's for you. I'm going to grow. I'm going to read your scriptures. I'm going to, man, I'm going to be involved in prayer. This day is for you. Be faithful. Continue to face those days. And then that, that idea of victory. Let me read just a couple more verses before the end of this chapter. He says also to them, To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. What? That one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery. That's actually out of Psalms uh, chapter 2, 8 and 9. It's this imagery, it's this prophecy that's laid out. It says, man, he, there's going to be one who comes and, and this, is what he's gonna do. That's, this is what he's going to do. He's going to have this iron scepter and he's going to dash them to pieces like pottery. That's those who are evil, those, those rulers and kings actually Psalms brings out. And, and, and that's going to be you. You see, we, when Jesus, our Savior, is victorious, man, you're sharing in the victory. That, that's the promise. We're going to share in the victory. I mean, yeah, the, the, the place of who I am before him and him receiving me, that's part of it. But once, once he completes that salvation in me, man, we get to rule along with him. And then the vindication living truth in a world that there's no truth as we learned last week man per, 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 being persistent in our faith loving him because guess what our god is great and mighty and and don't think anything different in a world that that is denying him and ignoring him understand that our god is powerful and, and there's going to be a day that everyone, every, everyone who, who has breath is going to realize that that is the absolute truth. And you know that truth today. Amen? Isn't that right? Hey, we're going to, we're going to partake communion right now. I want you to think about...